0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Paul. And we're going to talk new releases, recent arrivals. It's been six months since my last confession, Paul. <laughs> I have a big stack of books. I, I, I've been a little better with the confession
1: because i've occasionally sent uh twitter tweets oh, about i've I'm doing that this and
0: that i'm doing but, that too in fact that's the main way i've been doing it. if if i don't get them off my desk oh my god it stacks up yo
1: um it does it does i mean i mean i remember back in way back in the day in the before we got into the 2010s, where uh, oh my god, I got a book for review. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I'm grateful I'm not like some people who I will not name who get 10, 15 books a week. Mm-hmm. There are such people. I've seen their sacks. Yep. I mean, but I get one to f- four books a week on a good on a good week. Some weeks I get nothing, but some weeks, you know, some weeks I get I get pretty well. So you know,
0: and even though I read fast, no. <laughs> the books come no uh, you, you read way faster than me i'm mr slow i barely read any of the any of the stuff they send me because i i don't read that much in paper but it does spur me to go looking and there was a very good result i don't know if you recall this from uh you know being sent a random book by a random uh, audio or paper book company um last time uh in september i got a copy of uh that uh, Alec Nivella-Lee book.
1: Oh, yes! Astounding! Astounding. That uh, was John a w. great Campbell, find.
0: Isaac Asimov, Robert A. Heinlein, L. Ron Hubbard, and The Golden Age of Science Fiction. And when the audio came out for that, we did a show on it. And that was a very good show, and I think a very fruitful book. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff that does pass over my desk, whether I get to open it and uh, say, this is going to be a show, or even I'm going to read it. Um, another one such... That is coming, that is somewhere behind me right now, but I'm looking at my tweets about it. Um, uh, Becoming Superman, My Journey from Poverty to Hollywood by J. Michael Straczynski and with an introduction by Neil Gaiman. Um, At the time, they sent me that paper book uh, in February. Uh, There was no audiobook announcement, but uh, it will be published in July, uh, uh, near the end of July this summer and the audiobook is not only in the works they've chosen the narrator and do you know who it's going to be
1: i'm going to go with simon vance
0: no it's much better choice not that simon vance is a bad choice but simon vance is is brian pincho ah but see he didn't work with j michael straczynski peter jurassic oh you're kidding i'm not it's not cool. I must listen to this. This should be great. Moral
1: imperative.
0: I mean, he's not going to yes. do it in in a Vorlon ac- or a... um. <laughs>
1: no, he's not going to do it in a in a Centauri, a Centauri accent, accent. Although that'd be awesome if he did. But I mean, know.
0: maybe there'll be a line or something to throw to the fans as a kind of fan service for fun. But um, uh, I think that that's just a great choice because he is a fun actor and we we don't see enough of him. No, um, we no, we don't. I that mean, was the role of a lifetime for you know. It was a role of a lifetime. Then he wrote it. Then he co-wrote a science fiction novel, and I haven't heard much about him ever since. No, he, he's sort of been off the off the radar. But um, I'm looking forward to that. I think we'll probably do a show uh in late summer. Put
1: me down for it. All right.
0: I, Sorry, um, listeners.
1: Yes, we're talking business as we talk books here. But yeah. you know, this is you seeing the sausage being
0: made. That's right. And it is yummy sausage. Um, uh, Before we started, I was making note of the fact that um, sometimes authors get it in their head, or maybe publishers get it in their head, that you should at the end of your book title, like you say, um, "Romance," right, is the title of your book, and then you say a novel. (laughs) (laughs) Romance colon a novel. And I don't understand the methodology behind sometimes doing this, but it seems to be sort of a way of uh, making yourself more fancy. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think it's a literary pretension. Like it is, isn't it? I'm, i I mean, I mean, if if I'm looking at the pile of books that we're gonna talk about here and added a novel to it, some of them might work. Yeah,
0: others the Hobbit, just sound a novel. really stupid.
1: <laughs> like the luminous dead, a novel, what right? The hell,
0: that's very. I think I guessed um, that already, guys. Maybe, uh, maybe it's like, uh, for your, you're at the airport and you want a novel and you don't never heard of this dude and you see it. So the example I'm thinking of is one of the new releases that I, I was uh, spotting and hearing about. It's, uh, Thin Air by Richard K. Morgan. I would just call it Thin Air, but they've called it Thin Air colon a novel by Richard K. Morgan. Um, it's a science fiction novel. Why does it need? that subtitle, a novel. (laughs) They've been doing this for years, like uh, at least a couple, three or four decades, right? There's got to be a rhyme or reason to their thinking.
1: I I, I think it's Larry's pretension is like, so like, this is
0: serious literature. This is not, I have a bachelor of arts, put that in the end of my name. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse Willis, bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> True enough, but why do we need to know that? Oh, boy. I, I can understand putting the middle initial in there, right? Richard K. Morgan. He's just Richard Morgan in the UK. But the, mm-hmm. in especially in science fiction, um, there's a lot of writers. And to add that extra like uh, middle initial really is helpful. I mean, Isaac Asimov doesn't need one because his name's unusual enough. But Richard and Morgan are pretty unusual. Right, and the K makes you think of uh, Philip K. Dick, right? So you can you can sort of see that affectation. But that, no, no, yeah, I have no I have no I have no problem with that. That's
1: I mean I mean that and pen names and other stuff. Yeah, that's that's all pretty standard hat.
0: Whatever. Uh, all I all I know is it's it's silly, and they they keep doing it. Um, and I I don't know what the rationale is. So there must be a rationale. There maybe. I'm stuff. trying to remember the last time I read it. Read a book like that? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I think it's when they're trying to get fancy. They're trying to be pretentious and get to a different audience or something. Maybe it works. Maybe that uh, it's maybe it's the proof that you're, uh, you know, in a special class. I don't know. Let us move on from uh, uh, Thin Air, which is, by the way, set on Mars and it's a, a private detective novel, sort of. As usual, um, my understanding is uh, Richard K. Morgan's protagonist has some sort of superpower. Uh, in this case, I believe that I listened to Luke Burge's uh, science fiction book review podcast review, and uh, it sounded like a standard Richard K. Morgan, where the main character has a, a superpower no one else has, um, usually caused by some ancient surgery or something. And in this case, uh, he's like, um, was designed for Sudden activity for waking up from hypersleep or something like that. And now he's been retired and he uses that to, I don't know, fight crime on the streets of Marsport. Wh- who knows? Whatever. The mean
1: streets of Mars. That's
0: right. The mean Mars Martian streets uh, or tunnels, whatever they may be. Um, speaking of uh, things that are surprising, you know. Uh, I think you said you n- never had this happen to you. I got two books in one box. Um, I usually get like a, a mailer, and it's just one book. But I got two paper books in one box, and they're a duology, and they came together. A duology? Yeah. Do tell. So this is a, a two-book series. Well, that's what a duology means. It's so rare that you, you almost have to define the term, right? Um it's called uh, Mark's Woman, the first one, and the second one is a ma- ma- Mahimata, the sequel to Mark's Woman. And right. I, apparently there's not going to be a third one. Uh, I nope. tweeted this to you uh, along with the maps that are inside. And yes, it is true, the very maps nice are maps. They're slightly different. Um, there's a sort of a, a camp that moves through a, a different part of the desert for the second book. And uh, this is by, I think, a Toronto author, or at least Ontario author. Um, and it seems to be a, um, a fantasy secondary world. But,
1: yeah, I, I follow the author. I cannot pronounce your name, Rahi. I'm sorry. Rahi Mehamatora. Uh, yep. So, yep. So it is. I think is it is secondary world fantasy.
0: Mm, thank you for pronouncing that for me.
1: Oh, I, I probably butchered it. Sorry, Ryan.
0: I'm just noticing now that uh, the second book is about uh, half again as big as the first as well. Do you know, happen to know if there's an audio coming for this?
1: Um, That's a good question. I I haven't seen her talk about it. Okay.
0: but. Well, they, so Almost everything gets audio booked, uh, PDQ. Um, so if there is uh, and uh, you end up listening to it... Please let oh, me know. There
1: is a there, there is an audio of the first book. Okay,
0: well I guess this uh, narrated
1: by Emily Wu Zeller. So I assume, yeah, I assume that yeah, the second one will probably get one in, in short order. Yeah. Excellent. Eleven hours and
0: five minutes. It's wow. Not that long. Really? So thin this book. Eleven hours. Maybe maybe no, it's not that small fun. But uh, that's that's actually short for these days. That uh, Richard K Morgan is eighteen hours.
1: Yeah, it, it, is, it is short for, uh, yeah, uh, current uh, current sensibilities.
0: Uh, another one, I, I was looking at your picks um, of a stack of books you got um, that we both got was The Luminous Dead.
1: Oh, yes, Caitlin Starling. Yes. Right. And, and it, it was just hilarious. That was, I have to tell listeners, because I said it on Twitter, so it's hilarious that that's uh, I had I tweeted a list of uh, books that someone had, had and someone said, Oh look, there's also the Luminous* by Caitlin Starling. I thought, well, that's yeah. Okay. I don't know who she is, but that's okay. And then you said, <laughs> look at these maps. And then like, I guess they're talking at the yeah. author about these maps. And then the next day, what comes in my mail? The book. It's like the world is trying to tell me I should read this book. I, a thrilling atmospheric debut with the intensive drive of the Martian and gravity and the creeping dread of annihilation in which a caber on a foreign planet finds herself on a terrifying psychological and emotional journey for survival.
0: It, it sounds good. I, I C- will admit C- it's on a
1: foreign good. planet does sound relevant to my interests.
0: Well, I'm, uh, I don't go around advertising the fact, but I'm quite a, quite interested in spelunking. I'm a little afraid of it. (laughs) I've done it a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not one of those people who's like, I'm going to crawl through this hole that no one's ever crawled through before. i hold my breath and hope I can turn around. That's not the kind of caver I am, but, um, I can see the appeal. I mean, the movie, the descent, if you saw that, I think that was 2005. That's Mm -hmm. a freaky, scary, awesome movie. And there was a sequel that I don't remember very well, but, um, the idea of an enclosed space. And I believe this is actually set on an alien planet as well.
1: It is. It right. is. So, so
0: when I was, that's, that I, adds to the sort of the appeal. I think
1: it makes it more, it makes it more skiffy. When I was young, we went to a couple caves in the New York area and I thought, these are great, but we never did it again. And I thought, and I kind of fell out of the idea till I found when I moved to Minnesota, like, Hey, there's a actual cave in Southern Minnesota. Let's go look at that. And, there's actually actually two systems, one run by the National Park Service, one private. Those are great. And then when I went to South Dakota in 2000, 2008, there's Wind Cave National Park and Jewel Cave National Monument. I think i might actually the Park of the Monument. And those are great. And I'd like to see more. So I've gotten mm. back into the interests of of going to see caves because caves caves are interesting and so varied and not all the same. I mean – you, mm. you see the traditional idea you know caves with stalactites and legmites and there's so much variety to them i mean if i could look to see for my wall i have two maps of jewel cave sitting tacked up against my wall because you know maps and caves so mm. win, win.
0: i i really um i appreciated the maps because not only they uh you know they're cool maps there was two of them but also they reminded me of those dungeons and dragons maps you know that would be on the back of the or maybe the inside back of a module showing the descent into essentially a dungeon or an underground, you know, underground city. And, mm-hmm. um, that, that was cool. But also, there's a terrific story by Lovecraft, uh, called The Nameless City in which a character basically does that. He crawls, crawls into a hole in the middle of the desert and deep down into the earth and he discovers this. Also, So the fact that it's on an alien planet just makes it slightly more interesting, you know. And if it does have, um, if, it, if it can match either Annihilation or, um, uh, what was the other one you mentioned? Um, um, oh, um, The Martian. The Martian and Gravity, yeah. Uh, if it can match either one of those, you know, half in power, it, it'll be a good book. But uh, beyond talking about it as a paper book, which we both received, there is also an audio book. Um, it is fourteen hours fourteen point one six hours as read by Ad, Ad Aiden Oh my god Aiden Relly Oyo. So that's Aiden. Not familiar with their work. R E L E O J um, O. But I did see her name. I assume that's a, a female. Um, reading another audiobook that <clears throat> I saw on uh, my researches this morning, so Obviously, an up-and-coming narrator. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kinda, I kind of want to just read it blind, but I, I'm so. I'll wait for you, Paul. Will you read it for me? Let me know how it is. I'm, I'm likely, I'm,
1: I'm more inclined
0: to pick it up than I was before this
1: whole hubbub. again. I mean, that's ramped up my interest. So it's kind it of, is kind of, it is it's kind of moving insane. up towards the top of the stack. So yeah,
0: and it's by the way, the audio for that comes out in like two days. So. Well, yeah, Uh, it'll be out on Tuesday, uh, the 2nd of April. So uh, I've got a lot more, but maybe you want to go through some of yours.
1: Yeah, let's go through some of mine. So the next book I'm going to pick up is a fantasy novel called The Ten Thousand Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow, who's written a bunch of short stories and now she's gone to novel length. In a sprawling mansion filled with peculiar treasures, January's scholar is a curiosity herself. As the ward of the wealthy Mr. Locke, she feels a little different from the artifacts that decorate the halls, carefully maintained, largely ignored, and utterly out of place. Then she finds a strange book a book that carries the scent of other worlds and tells the secret of secret doors of love, adventure, and danger. Each page turns reveals a possible truth about the world, and January discovers a story increasingly entwined with her own. So this is this is coming out uh, in September. So
0: it's while there is going to be an audiobook, 11 yeah, hours and 30 minutes. Right so and no narrator assigned yet, but it is
1: not. not yeah. But it audiobook. is in the works. So and, and relatively short. So it, it's Jesse. It's Jesse possible length. And yeah, I mean. I, I, am, I am a sucker for portal fantasies and you know, alternate worlds and stuff like that. So this book is really relevant to my interest. So, yeah, I'm almost definitely going to give this one a try.
0: Um, I haven't read a ton of portal fantasy, but um, H.G. Wells' The Door and the Wall is is amazing. Um, he, Along with pretty much inventing everything in science fiction, uh, he may have invented that. It, you know, but so – Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe is sort of probably the most define, definitive one. If, if that, I'm that, that, the genre that's, right. Yep. I heard a theory yeah. that uh, that she didn't have it herself, but
1: Fran Wilde had retweeted. It was talking about a theory that a lot of time travel narratives are actually portal fantasies and science fiction yeah, guys.
0: Interesting. You mentioned that because um, uh, I I sent you a trailer. Uh, I've got it somewhere here um, for this new audio drama called dilation hmm. and uh, i I've, I've finished listening to it but i'm like a lot of audio drama which i uh, you know i'm a big fan of i love audio drama um and i i there's a lot i will put up with in in audio drama that i won't put up with pretty much in any other <laughs> sort of medium like audiobook i'm not going to do that because audio drama is short right um and and the thing is is It's easy. I find it very easy. It's like watching TV or watching a movie. There's no work involved. It's just enjoyment. Um, I didn't find that with this one. I found it to be very high level, which which meant like I had to gear up for it instead of like oh I can I can enjoy this while I'm you know
1: yeah you 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 couldn't be so passive you had to be more yeah no
0: it's very very high level and one way I was thinking like how to figure out what exactly is going on like it doesn't tell you what it's doing it doesn't even tell you the genre and and so like i think it is a time travel story at its core um it doesn't tell you that right away but you're placed in a world um the the main character we don't see how she gets there she has a goal that she doesn't reveal to us um and it's a much bigger world than what we're given to see in it and so it it feels like a, a portal fantasy or a portal uh, story because she stepped into a world uh, that we get to see through her sort of ignorance of. And then she, I think, steps back through the world or back through the portal that she came through, but we never see that happening either. So it's like a brief visit to a strange world, but the world that's built up in it is... is is. So thought through. It's like a uh, one of the one of those things they call world building, right? But world building, the yes. world building isn't the point of the story. The world building there is to serve the story, and that's so unusual, right? Usually, what happens is people get caught up in the world building, and then they get an elf and sit them on a log and have the elf tell. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> to tell I'm the entire history up. of
1: the lost force civilization right right
0: sort of stream it all out as a similar sort of deal but i i found this to be very the opposite of that and I, I got the trailer somewhere around here if you want to play it um i'll put it into the podcast calling
1: eagle this is dumb Thank you, Tom. It doesn't matter how good you are at running away. There's 40 years between these photos. Nothing's changed. Your path still catches up with you. What's wrong with you? Dilation lag. Bit like jet lag. Where have you been hiding for the last 20 years? Step backwards. Before you jump forward. Dad said that she'd arrive as if by magic and tell us wondrous stories of where she'd been. Dilation. We're being followed. Check out the back. An original science fiction drama. Look, it's full of light. What the hell? kind of world is this? A Parsec production in association with B7 Media. Out now.
0: So, yeah, I think that's coming out tomorrow. Um, So that'll be that'll be i think it's tomorrow that'll be out by the time people are hearing this what what did you th- what do you think of the intro or the uh, trailer i
1: want to i want to know more to quote
0: Star- <laughs> do you want to know more um so i uh this came from b7 which uh, they used to do the B- blake seven uh stuff now i don't think they're doing that anymore but they're doing a lot of um uh, original times, stuff yeah a, a lot of original they did some uh i believe it was them who did the robin of sherwood stuff which i'm a big fan of robin of sherwood you, you, you did you ever watch I've, that show
1: i've i've seen a couple episodes i've not watched it in depth
0: oh it's wonderful hope- paul you'll love it it's so good it's it takes robin hood and makes it i don't know gaelic <laughs> or something <laughs> and a Celtic. Really soft focus um beautiful yeah it's got Clanad music and um, it, it's Robin Hood with sort of uh, mysticism. Um, he's got a magic sword and he's uh, fighting evil. And uh, and then there's, you know, the same sort of uh, Sheriff of Nottingham, King John sort of stuff going on as well. Really great. Beautiful, beautiful show. I'll have to and...
1: see if it's streaming on Netflix or on Amazon. Well, there's, to... there's,
0: there's audio drama of it, too. So once you get into the show... Uh, I could go with the
1: ancillary stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and it's using the same cast generally, um, which is so cool. Like it's like a continuation of the show. It's
1: like that's uh, that's that's that's, that, that's very. It's uh,
0: extraordinary what's going on in the UK um, with audio drama. It has been it's been like that for years, but it seems to be getting even stronger because there's um there's this uh, publisher called Big Finish. And, uh, they've never oh. ever sent me anything, but. Their catalog is so big, it's impossible oh, yeah. to see. It's just impossible to see how much they've done. And they're constantly doing new stuff. They've got Tom Baker being the doctor again. They've got all the doctors, including the first doctor. they got a new doctor.
1: Yeah, 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 I know for a while they were having... Uh... The guy who played Ian do the voice, yeah. They 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 put out a ton of episodes of Doctor Who, and a lot
0: of it is really good.
1: Um, I've 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 bought a I bought a a couple I bought a couple of those. Actually, the the funny thing was I first got started getting into them, and just before they announced the new series way back in two years ago, I was like, oh, this I should I should get back into Doctor Who. Like, oh, big finish we. We do Doctor Who drives like, really? New Doctor Who? That's great. I'll start listening to a couple of these. And then suddenly they announce Crystal Echo City Doctor Who.
0: Like, wait, what? Yeah. And so they've, they've you got the get fourth Doctor. They've it, got the fifth Doctor. They've got the second oh, Doctor.
1: Oh, they have a ton of fifth Doctor and sixth Doctor stuff. I mean, they've done tons of
0: episodes and of them and a, eighth Doctor. A lot of it is really good. It's like if they get the companions, they get the, the original guy, and then they, they can do stories that they can't do easily on the show you know like with you know so you can have an uh, a lot more going on uh visually (laughs) when it's not actually on screen with sound you can do so much and they can do different lengths of stories too they can do long stuff with you know uh multiple episodes or they can do very short trips as they're calling them it's it's amazing but um the one i I was thinking you should definitely check out um I, i think i told you about it before but it's on BBC iPlayer. That's what they call it, uh, overseas, but it's BBC Sounds, I think, is, is the app in the UK. The BBC iPlayer app, um, allows you to, you know, s- see what's available. And they have, uh, The Prisoner. Yes, I've, yes, actually, funny enough, you should
1: mention that, um, mm-hmm. because the actual BBC started streaming a few of those on their website. So I got to listen to a few of those episodes. It's wild.
0: It is. It's, it's really good. It's it's uh, it, what's so funny about w- listening to the show is it's very similar to watching the show, but but you get to sit with the ideas in a way that you don't get to sit with them when you're visually being excited, you know? You you see the design. So here I, I mean, uh, did you know that Patrick McGuin was like involved in the creation of the show? It wasn't just it wasn't oh just,
1: the, the, the actual show yeah yeah he yeah he was the driving force behind the whole. and thing. it's
0: really interesting because it's almost like a it's almost like a play where they don't know what's being revealed but they're all playing sort of an improv improvisational roles with with what they want to do and it it becomes existential almost like the you know they're trying to trick him into reve- revealing why why he resigned from his you know mi6 job and he wants to know who number one is right and yep, that's, the that's
1: essential the exploration, of the exploration it
0: yeah. keeps going and it keeps going you think oh the, there's no more stories to tell here and they keep finding ways to sort of ex- examine the purpose and meaning of things it's very cool and the actor they, whoever they've got, is very good. There's so much good stuff on BBC iPlayer Radio. Uh, they're now calling it BBC Sounds in the UK. Um, people should definitely check it out. There was a um, a recent uh, fantasy series based on like the first Welsh uh, mythology book. It's like um, I'm trying to pronounce it here. The, yeah, the Mabinogi That you got it, Mabinogi. Um, I listened to that as a, you know four or five fifteen minute installments. Now it's out in the uh, audio drama of the or drama of the week podcast feed. So even if you're not on BBC iPlayer, which is free, um, you can still download it through the app, and it's it's the omnibus edition, so it's like an hour and fifteen minutes, and that is uh it's really good. It's it's like ancient wealth mythology. You've got giants and marriages and uh there's a cauldron that can bring people and animals back to life you you put Uh the dead bodies in there and it's 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 like spending time a thousand years ago very cool
1: very i agree
0: so good stuff yeah uh i i wish i wish a big finish was sending me half of the stuff they send to anybody (laughs) because I get a lot from B7, like, I don't know, once a year they send me something. And it's like, this is so amazing. If I lived in the UK, I would be in the shops. Like, so look at, you know, I've been to the UK and they have, you know, there's a giant comic shop chain there. I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's got, it had everything. It was unbelievable, right? And I'm not a, I don't check my email that much. So unless it just pops up, I won't see. I won't see it, but physically holding that CD in hand, oh my god, it's so cool! To like, you know, it's the only thing comparable to this in North America is um, the HP Lovecraft Literary. No, uh, I was about to uh, say uh, that that's. Dark that's Adventure Radio like I Theater. Think of, yeah. Yeah. HP uh, Lovecraft Historical Society, not literary podcast. The Historical yeah. Society puts out their uh, Dark Adventure Radio Theater stuff, and there's usually one or two of those a year there is a new one coming and that might mean we're going to do a show on uh the story uh the lurking fear is coming this summer oh nice yeah and uh it's not a story i'm super familiar with so i'm uh, i was I, I got all the movies <laughs> i've got the audio uh i've got an audio version and there's a um there's a uh uh PDF. june hasn't does has he Uh, he he may have done it at one point. Yeah. Um, so it might be out there. I I can't remember if it's in my collection, but it's not when I remember other than it's got underground dwellers. (laughs) So Uh, yes, So I'm looking forward to that. And, (laughs) uh, yeah, I wish, I wish there was more audio drama that was just, you know, being delivered to my stack. (laughs) I'm not calling for more stuff. I'm just saying like. It's so cool. So much great audio drama is being made, and it's even in podcast form. There's a lot, so I I think we're living in a very good time for it. I, I thought it was oh, I, good ten I, years I, ago. It's still it's still good.
1: No, no, it's raining buckets of stuff out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If, wow, if you should... can't find good stuff, you're not looking
0: oh man it's there's there is really just too much and i need somebody to sort of say yep this one check it out and that's what i'm sort of feeling like i'm Uh, i think
1: that's our job
0: yeah well but there's too much paul there's too much Uh, i know i'm listening i've listened to dilation one and a half times and i'm still thinking about it it's it's very very good and it's very interesting because it it makes me think is this is did i come into this in the middle of a series because this whole world that's built up inside of it, it's basically a, it's like a 1984 dystopia, okay? But uh-huh. the difference is, it seems to be intended to be a 1984 style dystopia, but it's only a dystopia for some people, right? It's, it's like, in, the cool thing about 1984 is you, you think about, well, we're seeing it from sort of the, a, a guy stuck in a bad way in the middle of the society. There are people lower down in the ladder who have it slightly better. And then there's the people at the top who we never see who probably have it fine. And that is kind of what's going on in dilation. I, is they, somebody's invented time travel basically and they figured out how to use it, uh, to help themselves. And, and then that's all sort of hinted at but it's never revealed. So I'm doing all this work to try and figure out what exactly is going on. And I think, I think that's what it is, but I'm not sure. And I think I'm going to have to give this
1: a listen and so we could talk about it. Yeah, definitely. That's all fly. Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. I have, um, I have plenty more, uh, new releases and a big stack of recent arrivals still to go through. Oh yeah. I
1: think you're up because last was me. So
0: I think it's your turn. I sort of distracted things. No, uh,
1: no, we... we the, the conversation went organically in a different direction. That's all.
0: I, I will mention, I did get uh, another copy of Dragon Shadow. I'm not sure why that happened. The Ellie uh, Catherine White book. Um, huh. Got one uh, in September, and then one came in November. So uh, maybe they heard me talking about it on the podcast and said, hey, we'll send him one.
1: <laughs> I, I very why. rarely, like, get get a review copy then later get a finished copy it doesn't happen often. yeah it, it happens
0: it's every happened. once in a while but it, it's not super common
1: it's it's just almost just like hey you really want to review this right sort, mm-hmm. of, sort of approach like hey book hey book
0: indeed um i did get uh the coming storm by mark alpert this is from saint martin's press um that sounds in- nonfiction. Uh, no, it's not. It's set no. in New York in 2023. Rising seas and superstorms have ravaged the land. Food and electricity are scarce. A dangerous Washington regime has terrorized the city, forcing the most vulnerable and defenseless people into flood-ravaged neighborhoods. The new laws are enforced by an army of genetically enhanced soldiers designed to be the fiercest and cruelest of killers. Genetic scientist Dr. Jenna kan, uh that's K-H-A-N, knows too much about how these super soldiers were engineered by altering the DNA sequence in ways that could change the fabric of humanity. So it feels like a... Um, uh, I want to say techno-thriller set just yeah. a couple years in the future. But it, I notice this is sort of the... Uh, it, it's kind of like dilation. There's sort of a negative atmosphere uh, with regard to what our future is going to be like. We're sort of... Entering near dystopia times, maybe politically or whatever, and combine that with uh, with worries about the climate. I think I think that's what's going on. If 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 we're scientists coming back from a hundred years and looking at our present, uh, they would say that was definitely going on. Probably <laughs> that'd be my guess. Uh, and, yeah,
1: this was the time it was changing. I mean, you've seen the TV show Travelers, right?
0: I watched the first episode. I think it's set is it filmed in vancouver is it set in vancouver as well
1: i it's it's like filmed in vancouver and like set definitely set in the pacific northwest it may actually be set but but they have u.s stuff so i think it's actually meant to be set in seattle or someplace in that region Mm -hmm. but yeah so but basically yeah the, the time travels came back to this point in history to uh basically because this is the decade where things go completely wrong as they say so they want to try to fix it Unfortunately, the show's been canceled after three seasons, which makes me sad, but... Mm.
0: It was a time travel show, too, right?
1: Yeah, it was a time... Uh, basically, people coming back to inhabit bodies of people who are about to die, and then they're in those new bodies, they're trying to change history for the better. Mm-hmm. Larger scale than Sam Beckett,
0: mind you. Um, the coming storm, ha- the cover has a, um American flag uh, flying. There's a storm in the background. It's over New York. And then helicopters flying everywhere. So it, um, it feels like one of those uh, Tom Clancy books. That's yeah, it did. I, yeah,
1: I, I could see the rah rah sort of thing. yeah.
0: Well, uh, also, just like uh, it's like uh, if they turn that flag upside down, you know, <laughs> it would be the distress sort of symbol. But it's not. It's not upside down. Like they have, uh, that's what it was on. Um, uh, that Netflix show, right? What's it called? Um, which one? The one with the guy who was super controversial cause he was a rapist. <laughs> Whatever that one's called. Oh, house of cards, house of cards. Their flag was upside down. Yeah. Right. And that's a sort of symbol of ship in distress or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Symbols. Are important.
1: That, yeah. I know the series that's come to an end. I mean, they yep. got there last season with, uh, Robin Wright, uh, yeah, I haven't watched that one yet, but yeah, but terrible. that's serious. Don't
0: watch it. It's terrible. Because uh, they spent so much time dealing with, with what, what, was, what, what happened in real life that they sort of derailed the show. Oh, sorry. It'd be like um, George R.R. R. Martin turns out to be a really bad guy and they, they have Jon Snow kill himself or whatever. <laughs> that's sort of a funny. Wow. it's like, What? but I don't think George R.R. Martin is a really bad guy. That's my that's my sense. Speaking of George R.R. Martin, I don't want to steal your um your turn here, but uh, I did notice uh, they re I say re-released. They released an audiobook version of Night Flyers.
1: Oh yeah, um, I heard that. It
0: it did come out years and years and years and years ago, like in the 90s on cassette. Um but there's a 4-hour audiobook read by that same narrator. Aden Rele Oyo. Or. Oh, the upcomer, yeah. Yeah, uh, four hours. So it's probably just the original book. Yeah, classic novella. Um, and, uh, that's a sci-fi channel, original series. I've heard both good and bad things about it. Have you seen it? I. I really like the story.
1: I've, I've not seen the, the adaptation, no. Okay. I've, heard, I've only heard. I've only heard. Yeah, I've heard mixed things about it, so I haven't gone seeking it out yet.
0: I'm not sure it, ma- it made sense to make it a show um, because it it's a novella. It's not a universe. Uh, it's set in the universe, but it's more about a haunted spaceship, right? And be, people yeah. who are on board who are haunted.
1: It, make, it makes more sense to make that like a movie, right? Yeah, uh, I think. And, oh, and it was a movie as
0: well, and that was a not a great movie, so. Although Uh, Michael Praed, who was on uh, Robin of Sherwood, by the
1: way, (laughs) it goes back. We go back to Robin of Sherwood. Things go rolling around. I'll
0: I'll let you have a turn now.
1: Oh, Okay. Good. Well, thank you. What's that?
0: That's kind of me.
1: That is that is very kind of you. You're kind and generous. Okay. So the next book I'm going to talk about is a sequel. Because I know I know you don't like sequels, but I'm going to talk about sequels anyway. Okay. So Adrian Tchaikovsky. He's a British writer, and he's one of the best science fiction writers out there today. He writes a ton of stuff, a ton of different worlds. He's he's got an amazing imagination. He's got he's written hard science fiction, fantasy, all sorts of stuff. His, his big thing is insects and bugs, though. They, they come on, on just about every novel he's ever written. So anyway, Children of Time back in 2013. Came out in the UK, didn't come out in the US, which really disappointed me at the time. And I managed to get him to send me a copy of the book about a year later. Wow. It was still wasn't available in the US. I read it, loved it, reviewed it. It's like, this is fantastic. It won, it uh I believe it won the Clark Award, as I it, it was called. It, it won a couple of big British awards. And now there's finally a sequel called Children of Ruin. It has waited through the ages. Now it's time. Thousands of years ago, the scientists of Earth took the stars in search of a new planet to call their own and came across a world they called Nod. But they soon discovered that the planet had already been claimed and their attempt to override it with the memory of Earth was doomed to fail. Eons later on Earth, humanity and its new spider allies detect fragmentary radio signals from Nod. They dispatch an exploration vessel, hoping to find members of the original crew. But those humans woke something on Nod better left undisturbed and has been waiting for them. And this is going to come out in the U.K. and the U.S. simultaneously later this year, May, actually. There is an audio book. There will be an audio book, 16 Hours. Wow. And I'm really excited because I thought Children of Time was absolutely fantastic. And this is like so. so a couple of years like this is a great book, but you can't get in the U- as easily. It's sad. They only just like released it some months. The Children of Time a few months ago. So I'm excited. There's going to be a sequel and I'm holding it in my hot little hands because I got, he, he works really well.
0: I've got uh, no problem with um, people releasing paper books only overseas. But if they don't release the audiobook universally, I have a problem because I, <laughs> I, I, I'm really only I, – I don't know how you manage to read paper books because only time I can get it done is, is when I don't have a stack of paper comics. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't so read busy. much
1: paper comics anymore. So, yeah, it's it, things do eventually give. It's it's very it's very true. There's only so much time.
0: There, there is only so much time. So uh, as long as you know, like I'm in fact in favor of them having multiple narrators in different countries so that I can choose amongst them which one I want to listen to. You know, um, if they want to have a UK release uh, and a US release. Great. Um, it'd be better if they're at the same time, and that I get to choose which one I I, I get to hear. But um, yeah, if they don't release it, or you know, in overseas territories, um, it's really annoying.
1: It, you it, don't want to have to go is. on
0: Amazon and try and get it from Amazon UK. That shipping's gonna kill you.
1: Um, there are a number of UK authors who I can't get easily except by that means and it frustrates the crap out of me
0: I th- they usually come like a year or so later right they usually uh, like so, so,
1: so, some never some ne- i mean there is a prominent writer i should name them because you know that's not nice that it, and her books just have never gotten U- u.s publishers or traction and it's really a shame because i really like her fantasy novels and it, it really great. frustrates me it's really good. Frust- it's good stuff it's award-winning stuff even it's like for you know British awards like come on is there aud- is there audiobook
0: releases um g- uh, maybe that, that's sort of i uh, i I think it's pretty standard now unless it's like a really obscure publisher no, no. no I get the are, sense that are... the, there's more money in audio now than there is in paper I don't know if that's true that's the sense I'm getting the focus on audio is very high and there there are things that are released only in audio now. And and it's cuz papers it's harder to it's even harder to distribute and print, right? Whereas digital audio is super easy to to print. You you can make infinite copies, right?
1: Oh, mm, oh, yep, you know what? There is a British audiobook version of the book of the book I'm talking about. That's Not right. available in the US, but available in okay. the UK. So, like, okay. Gah! Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, it is the case that in Canada, you can choose to have a, U, uh, sorry, a Canadian account on uh, Audible or a American account on Audible.
1: You can have both?
0: You can have both, but you have to switch, and it's a big process. Oh. Um, so, this... like, if you, like, there was no Canadian Audible for a long time. And so the switching process, uh, you know, people who are signing up now are usually signing up for the Canadian one, um, uh-huh. which has stuff that's not available in the UK, in, in the U.S. But um, the catalog's much smaller still. So yeah. there are yeah, advantages. I, just... I, I don't know that you can switch to the U.K. because um, uh, uh, my Audible membership is no longer active. It's just you know sitting there. So I don't know if if the policies have changed that way, but I do know that the Canadian one is switchable. It's just a bit tricky. Tough, tough situation.
1: It, 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 is, it is tough and frustrating that yeah, some of the Winslow words can't get a U.S. publisher to save their lives. And I can, I can see the audiobook on Amazon UK and I can't buy it. So That's fine. just wrong.
0: All right, I, I've got um, two that came the same day. Advanced readers' copies. This ca- these came in wow back in December, but they're both coming out right right about now. Um, mm-hmm. One is called The Pandora Room. It's by Christopher Golden. Um, not a name I'm super familiar with, but it's got on the cover. It's got uh, some hikers headed to a cave. <laughs> so maybe they're gonna do some spelunking. Um, it's uh, it's by the guy who he wrote Ararat, which I think I got in a maybe last year's spring new releases, recent arrivals. It sounds super familiar. Um, I'm just going to read the uh, description here. In one ancient variation of the Myth of Pandora's box, there were two jars, one for Pandora and one for her sister, Anasidora. One contained all the blessings of the gods, the other all the world's curses. Now in a subterranean city in northern Iraq, archaeologist Sophie Durand has discovered a secret chamber in writing that confirms the version of the tale, or that version of the tale, a chamber which contains a single jar. Expert Ben Walker joins Sophie's team just as the mystery deepens and grows ugly. Those who believe the myth want to know which jar has been found in the Pandora room, the one containing blessings or the one full of curses. Uh Uh-huh. Again, it's going back to uh, the nameless city where you know you go into the underground and you find a, a but, underground city that from a previous civilization and maybe there's horrors down there, but you can't yeah. you can't but open it right, open them you, up.
1: You, you've heard of the Phantom Empire, right? I don't think so. You've never heard of the Phantom Empire? Maybe tell me more. Okay, the Phantom Empire was a 1930s. Sp- B- movie serial with Gene Autry. It's Western slash music slash ancient civilization underground. It's cool. the weirdest thing you've ever seen. It's this like and it's actually it's actually very meta because I mean Gene Autry is basically playing a radio broadcast ra- raster. So it's like it it is very meta. this is before War of the World and stuff. So it's like yeah, it's like the lost tribe of Moo or something like that. Dude. It is a very weird. Yeah, it's from the '30s. You can find it online. It's a yeah, very weird
0: a thing. You we look it up.
1: Yeah, it, ah, it is very. very There's
0: odd. a number of lost world things, but it's a it's a Western. And it's a Western science fiction. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, Western science fiction. I'm up for it.
1: I can't make this stuff up. It's from the 1930s. Cool. It's probably on a. Uh, it's probably public domain. Long uh, since. yeah, so.
0: it's a, it's a serial, so probably it, it was. Yeah, I I you know, uh, uh, did you see that I was watching um, uh, not Buck Rogers. What's the other one? Uh, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. I couldn't believe how funny it was. Like, like I I, I assume it's not supposed to be like, all humor based, but it it's like. It's funny, but it's also lovable. Like, like I can see why people really dug it because uh, the guy who's playing Flash Gordon, he he just loves hugging people. It <laughs> just runs up to people, <laughs> and he hugs them, even his enemies. <laughs> the attack mode is basically grappling, but um, and and it's just so straightforward and it's ridiculous. And the guy who plays uh, merciless Ming, is um, he's got the great yeah. costumes. It, Is't that Charles Lawton I think yeah could be could be
1: yeah I, I um, I'd have to I'd, I'd have to look up I believe that's Charles Lawton which is kind of yellow facing at, especially at the time but you I guess know.
0: whatever I'm not I, I don't care about that stuff I mean it, I know it, it was it was ridiculous at the time it's ridiculous today uh, I, I, I'm still waiting uh, Paul. I, I was just thinking about this the other day, how much I want Nicolas Cage to play Fu Manchu. Because if you remember, in the middle, oh. of, uh, in between the two movies of the uh, Grindhouse, remember there was a um, Quentin Tarantino oh, yeah. uh, and Robert Rodriguez film that had two films, and then there was a, a bunch of trailers in the middle? The fake trailers in the middle, yes. Yeah, and they had, some of those have turned into real movies, like um, it was called Machete. I turned that into a whole series of movies where it's just a guy going around chopping people up. Right. And then there's one hobo with a shotgun, which starred Rutger Hauer. They made a trailer for that, for the, for, you know, in, and they actually made the movie too. Right. Like yeah, they made to... one of
1: the movies, which is now just I want,
0: I want the Nick and Nicholas Cage as Fu Manchu. <laughs> <The most laughs> ridiculous, like a fake mustache that sort of attached to a fake, Take beer. Yeah,
1: it is meant to be over that. Oh and listeners, so before good. you write in it's Charles Middleton, not Charles Lawton, who ah. played me in the serial. So uh, he's
0: he's from Mongo. I, I don't think that's yellowface. I think that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Mongo's another planet, yo. <laughs> i mean ming yes. sounds like a chinese name but mongo doesn't so whatever and he's
1: dressed he's just in those robes yeah anyway so I yeah know.
0: it was amazing and i'm really enjoying it it's it's on youtube um i i also have that same shipment um uh has last tango in cyberspace did you get that one
1: i did not get that one tell it's me by more
0: steve kotler um and that's one of those ones again that says uh, last tango in cyberspace colon a novel <laughs>
1: um, like i didn't need that that to he oh god a novel and, pretentious it's true
0: um this one's coming out in may so uh, a month away uh i'll just read the description here hard to say when the human species fractured exactly harder to say when the new talent arrived but leon Zor- zorn is the First of his kind, an empathy tracker, an emotional soothsayer with a felt sense for the future of the we. In simpler terms, he can spot cultural shifts and trends before they happen. It's a useful skill for a certain kind of company. This sounds a lot like um, something that uh, William Gibson wrote not that long ago, right? Uh-huh. He said, he's always writing uh, novels where there's a protagonist named Case who has some sort of special skill that people need. And uh, I believe uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a recent, um, by recent it might have been ten years ago. Uh, a William Gibson novel uh, about one of those cool hunters, people who basically go to Japan and see what the kids are wearing, and then bring that style sense to I don't know Europe and 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 are con- consultants. But this one is literally set in the future, um, whereas. William Gibson seems to have stopped writing about the future. He's writing about the present now. So if you wanted more William Gibson, that's what I'm getting the sense on this. The, uh, the cover has, uh, a lady, I assume to be a lady turned away from us. And on her back is a barcode and under the barcode, instead of numbers, it says a novel.
1: <laughs> wow. They're really going in on that They're yeah.
0: leaning tight. They are. Have you got another for me?
1: I do. Okay. So there's they had an audio of the predecessor, not the pre, not this is not really a sequel, but it says sequel in the back. They had a novel, they had an audio version of the earlier one in this series, but I haven't seen one for for this one. It's called The Fire Opal Mechanism by my friend Hugo Nebel Award fan, finalist, friend Wild. The back, the fast-paced and lively sequel to The Gold Jewel in the lapidary. It's not a sequel. It's just set in the same world. Mm. Jewels and their lapidaries have all but passed into myth. Uh, the, the Jewel and Her Lapidary, which is the earlier, which is the book in question, takes exp- is yeah. About that story. This story is about Jorah, broken branded, a thief just wants to escape the far reaches for something better. Anya, a rumpled librarian, has tried to protect her books from the pressmen who value knowledge but none of the humanity that generates it. When they stumble upon a mysterious clock powered by an ancient jewel, they discover secrets in the past that may change the future forever. So it's not a sequel because it doesn't have any of the characters. It takes hundreds of years after the last book. I hate when they just have, like, say it's a sequel. No, it's just set in the same world. She's written a couple of the stories set in this world about magical jewels and people who can resonate with them and the fall of their civilization and how people pick up the pieces and go on afterwards. So this looks like this is set relatively late in that history where they've found an ancient jewel and ancient clock so mm-hmm. it's got a picture of a of a thief kind of going over the battlements and so yeah this looks like to be like a fun read I, I i always enjoy fran's stuff and so yeah it'd be nice if there was an audiobook i mean it's relatively short it'd probably be two hours tops really easy for you but i haven't seen there's gonna be an audiobook yet i hope there will be
0: there probably will be <laughs> everything seems to be coming I, i'm just looking through my old tweets and yeah there's uh Heard a podcast yesterday in which an author wanted to make sure listeners knew it was also an audiobook because he makes more money through the audiobook than through the paper book. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, yeah, authors got to eat. I got, um, I, I'm pretty sure I got something else by Michael Morecki before. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Um, it's M-O-R-E-C-I. M-M-O-R-E-C-I? Oh, Michael Morecki.
1: I I can see one from here. I didn't include it in my pile. Maybe it's the same one that you got. It would be very I got We Are
0: Mayhem. Is that the one you got?
1: That is not the one I got.
0: So uh, this has got a great cover. I don't know who did the art, but it's very stylish. It's uh, greens and reds, and it's got a spaceship battle, and people, you know... Doing the um oh I know what book of course it's the Black Star Renegades that's what it is that it's the, is it the sequel to it maybe
1: well I, I I got the Black Star Renegades that's the one I got I yeah. didn't include in the pile I showed you but yeah I got that one too
0: it's so it's basically it's saying yeah everybody likes Star Wars right <laughs> and it's saying yeah. we're doing that and it's got robots and it's got you know space battles and it's it's pretty it's a pretty great cover. Um, the Black Star Renegades Was the first I guess And I don't know if it's set in the same universe But it says a Black Star Renegades novel And I was thinking why is this so familiar Because it, it's a Black Star Renegades So um, what I I want to make note of That's not on the You know uh, PDF that they sent with it Is mm-hmm. uh, that there's a five page Glossary in the back Did you notice oh. that?
1: uh i i just got the paper i didn't get the audio so i didn't yeah see i got the paper files.
0: too i'm talking about the paper book oh I mean, no i have for I, we I, are mayhem i i i don't no, i didn't get whatever. we are
1: mayhem because, um, oh,
0: okay um, but i just so, got
1: i just got black star Renegades.
0: it's coming out um april as well and i'll just read the oh i've got the black star renegades one here um oh what, what did i do with the uh, here it is we are mayhem Our favorite band of ragtag misfits are back for the second entry in the space opera that Nerdist calls the next big thing. We Are Mayhem by Michael Morecki, um, published uh, on the 9th of uh, April. Uh, Never lets up on the action, thrusting readers into the midst of a galactic rebellion led by the Black Star Renegades. The war is far from over, even as the Praxis Empire reels from its most recent defeat. Despite the destruction of the crown jewel of its fleet, the empire eventually tightens its tyrannical grip on the system, forcing more and more planets to fly the blood, blood red flag. Does that not sound like? Oh Star my Wars? god! It's no, exactly no, Star no, Wars, no right? No
1: offense, it is Star Wars. It's like, you, you, dude, I, that's I know. what
0: people want. i um, I think I know. it's smart I know. to do.
1: I I know. I I feel really cynical. I, I mean, no offense to Michael. I think it. I think <laughs> it'll
0: be better because. The the great thing about about doing it your own way like this, is uh, I I sort of come to this since I've been watching uh, the Orville right? right. I I was like oh come on you can't do a parody of Star Star Trek and have it be Star Trek. I didn't even think it's just a I I just thought it's a new comedy show. It's not. It's the next generation without all the limitations and and restrictions. Uh that whoever's Apparently, a lot of the problems that are going on in in Star Trek Discovery, other than you know just bad writing and not caring about science, (laughs) which the other show kind (laughs) of did, um, is that they've actually split the copyright—who owns what property and what part of the Star Trek universe? So that there's the films and there's the show, and then they're going to do a Picard series, and so they have a bunch of limitations, and they had to like design the spaceship to not look more like an Enterprise or whatever i don't care about any of that politics of who owns what rights to gene roddenberry's estate who who cares right and star wars has a lot of baggage that it's dealing with i mean the fact that that uh what's his name luke skywalker is killed off on a whim apparently <laughs> um and and he, there's a compilation of uh, mark hamill going through um uh, somebody put together all his his uh, interviews. You know, how mm-hmm. when he goes on tour for the movie, he has to give a million interviews. He put together, all. somebody put them all together, and he's just basically saying, yeah, I don't know what was going through the mind of <laughs> He doesn't ever badmouth it, but he answers every question honestly, and it is not a good, like, he does not like what (laughs) happened to Mark. Mark Hamill does not like what happened to Luke Skywalker. When you can wipe the slate clean and just say, you know what, this is what I'm doing, I'm doing what you liked, I think this might work a lot better than what I've been, like, I shouldn't walk out of the Star Wars experience going, really? And and then have to hear arguments as to why it's not not as bad as I think it is. And I've heard those arguments, and sometimes they've convinced me it isn't as bad as I think it is, but it's pretty damn bad. I mean, once we went down the Midichlorian walk, right? Oh, it just <laughs> it was just ruining things. Yes. And so, yeah, the, this the says, We liked what we had back then. Let's just do that. Right? Maybe that's the way to go. It it can and can't
1: work. There is a novel I will not name it last year that tried to be to try to do that with Dune. The 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 right, world the, right, the, the I thing think they I set up.
0: You are talking about it,
1: that? Yeah, it was very much like Dune, and it just was awful. The writing wasn't great. They didn't think through any of the world building. Isn't
0: there an official version of that too? Like, um, didn't uh, the guy who was writing the Dune books also write Hell?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. 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 Kevin J. Anderson. And, he, uh, he was
0: writing the. And uh, uh, Herbert. He yeah, was he, writing he, a book that, you know, they said, no, we're not going to do that. And he said, whatever, I'm going to write it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Just, he just changed the it, VIN.
1: <laughs> and Hellhole Hell was okay, but, yeah. you know, no. it, was, it, it did knock my socks off. I didn't go...
0: But it, it, if you're looking for that, like, I, I can't believe how much I like the Orville. And the reason I like it is because it's, it's I get that same feeling as when I was watching Next Generation or Deep Space Nine, where they, they're just going to say, you know what? We really like science fiction ideas. Here's one. And then they explore it for 45 minutes. Amazing, right? What an idea. Right? Yeah, That's what a concept. Great. What a concept. And they don't need, you know, the fact that they, they've they got um, no Klingons is fine because they invented some other species that has similar strange problems that allow us to address our own ideas, which was the whole point, right? It's it, uh, It's great science fiction. Um, I, I'm, I want to make note of another paper book I got in. It's sort of a follow-up to something we said earlier, which is um, I got a, uh, a finished non-ARC copy of uh, hardcover uh, for I Am Behind You. Do you remember that book when it came out last year?
1: I Am Behind You. It
0: yeah, sounds This, this is by a guy named John Avide Lindquist. Um, he's the sweden Ste- Stephen king and yeah. uh it it was a pretty interesting book i think it got a pretty big um reception uh, i remember getting the, the arc and saying this is pretty interesting uh, one of my students was reading the book and she was liking it um and then they sent me the finished hardcover as well so definitely um there's a lot of excitement behind this author so I, I I won't go too much into it. I just want to let you know that I did get a hard finished hardcover of that after an ARC. Advanced Reader's Copy. Very cool. What else you got?
1: All right. Let's let's switch over into Epic Fantasy because you know, Epic Fantasy is is good too. I mm-hmm. I can read science fictional labels read Epic Fantasy. So this is from Orbit. It's from a debut author named Evan Winter, and it's called *The Rage of Dragons*. The back: *Game of Thrones* meets *Gladiator*, a debut epic fantasy about a world caught in an eternal war and the young man who will become his people's only hope for survival. So, uh, yeah, I heard about this from the, or- the Orbit editors. who are talking about it, so it's basically a African sort of influenced Game of Thrones with dragons sort of mm. epic fantasy sort of thing.
0: Oh, we have I'm looking oh, at I at the something. cover. It looks like a Zulu shield with a dragon, with a dragon on, it. on it. Yes. Yeah.
1: The war That's is eternally cool. at war and one young man will become his people's only hope for survival in the rage of dragons. Tao, growing up mixed cast, knew he only had two options in life. Fight in near constant battles and probably die a quick death by the Omni people or take the coward's way out. Injure himself battling enough that he can never become a warrior. He's almost decided on the ladder in dreams of marriage and family when his farmer father is senselessly brutally murdered. Fixated on revenge, Tao is determined to become the best swordsman in the land and avenge his father's death, a path that will lead him to lands he never imagined, and the possibility he could end a generations-long war for good. So, is there an audiobook? Let's find out. I don't know.
0: While you're digging that one up, I'm going to tell there, you about an extraordinary audiobook. There is going... Th- there is okay. going to be an audiobook. Yes.
1: 12 hours and 30 minutes coming out in July.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you about a very peculiar audiobook I've got. Um, I, for Christmas, my mom bought me a uh, paper book. Um, I haven't actually. So she should not know you? She does not know me, clearly. Uh, <laughs> and that's what I said to her. Yeah, I say, clearly, you do not know me in front of everybody. <laughs> and she said, Jesse, I'm going to read you this book. So since December, uh, she's been reading me, you know, like a chapter uh, uh, a session. Uh, a book called *A Peculiar Curiosity* by Melanie Cossey. I, I put the pictures up on Twitter. Oh, I have touched it. I've, I was holding the. <laughs> I haven't touched it since. But um, it's uh, it's got a couple of scary-looking 19th-century dudes um on the cover, and uh, it's nice to be read to. Uh, I mean, that's the whole point of audiobooks, right? But when Uh, your mom reads you a story, it's kind of even better. So uh, I'll just read the back here. Anthropology professor Duncan Clark must get a handle on the anxiety. Oh, I can't read. (laughs) You know what? I won't read the back. I'll just tell you what's, what happens because I've been, she's been reading me the story. So there's two kind of stories. There's a story of a uh, professor who's been put on leave because of some sort of problems he's had at school, which are undefined. Um, his kids are worried about him. He seems to have a drinking problem. Um, there are mice in the walls, not rats in the walls, but um, it's all going downhill, like he seems to be having a nervous breakdown. At the same time, he's been given a box of curiosities from a 19th century curiosities dealer, who Mm -hmm. um, was a collector of very strange objects. And amongst the items in this uh, box includes, you know, like uh, uh, fetal babies or human babies with two heads and all sorts of strange 19th century items. There's a journal uh, that outlines all the objects that are in it. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a journal of cursed objects, except they're not generally cursed. They're just strange, right? Um, amongst them is an object that's missing from the box, and there are a lot of notes on this one. It turns out that there's a guy in the 19th century, this collector guy, has been uh, visiting um, Haiti. And there he picked up a child who was, it turns out, probably turned into a zombie. <laughs> and well now return him to England, and he's trying to cure him of his zombieism, but it's not working very well. Um, so it's got two parallel stories and it sort of alternates between what we're reading the professor reading and what uh, is going on in his life. And his life is falling apart. The uh, 19th century guy's life is not falling apart, but there's strange parallels between them. And uh, I think I think it's pretty good. It's, it's got a uh, it's got a lot of sort of um, bad choices. The author's, not the author's bad choices, the character's bad choices. Character is doing things like, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> I keep saying out loud, no, 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 that's stupid, <laughs> don't do that. Um, he says, like, he, he wants to go see if a house has the scratches that are mentioned uh, in it. And so he goes to the house and he tries to sort of role play his way into it to see if he can get them. To let him see the door, and it doesn't. If you know, he he rolls against his uh, skills and fails. Um. So he um he he decides to burglarize the place. I was like, that's not a good solution to your problems, but but it sort of fits with the fact that he's his life is falling apart and he's making bad choices every direction. So I'm curious to see where it's gonna go, but I, I'm listening to it at the pace of my mom's uh uh narration
1: interesting
0: yeah i'm pretty sure there is no audiobook for it and that's why she got the paper book and decided to read it for me
1: oh speak speaking of which uh, side side thing entirely i didn't get a uh a version of this but you've heard of the phantom tollbooth right
0: i think i saw the audiobook for that did that just come out a, a new version is coming out yes yeah. and i've and never read it
1: You've never read, because, okay, so a little bit of poll history for the listeners. Way back in the ages of time when I was like in second grade, this is a book that they read to us. Mm -hmm. Now, I had the name wrong for for years afterwards. I thought it was called Milo and the Mathemagicians. So I remember this book, like this is a great book, and then I grow up as like, and when the internet says, oh, maybe I should find this book And I can't find it. I can't find it. I'm looking, looking, looking. Like, did I imagine this? I remember all this stuff about the book. And then somehow I stumbled across the book and I started looking at it. Like, oh my God, this is the book. Mm. So I had the title all these years. But yeah, you know, I mean, my parents never read to me because I was reading from a young age. And so they, and they weren't interested in reading to me. But this was a case in elementary school where the teacher read to me and then made mm-hmm. a big impression. And yeah, there is a audiobook, and there's four hours. that's it looks like, so it, it, it's not a long it's not a long book. I mean, the, the book is really really lives on the maps and the illustrations. But I could, but there's the kind of nostalgia. If I had a son or a daughter, I would get this audiobook, so I could let them enjoy that magic that I did because it's a book for all ages, and it's 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 one of the books of my heart. So you know,
0: what what do you know about the narrator? I I think he's a tv celebrity or something R- rain wilson
1: rain wilson yeah rain, rain, rain wilson is uh is is a tv person they've done a bunch of audiobooks so this is not their first rodeo. okay yeah not so not 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 their first uh not their first rodeo so
0: what what would what you think of an adult reading that book because i i've heard a lot about it i hear people saying how much they love it i see the ratings are through the roof I, I,
1: well, since the teacher that read it to me was an adult, I think I think that's I think that's a good choice because you can imagine like this is a teacher, a parent reading, Mm -hmm. reading it to you and put Mm -hmm. put me back in that place like a child being exposed to wonder of a world with with princesses and eating letters and roads to infinity and Mm -hmm. jumping to the island of conclusions, which is a saying I use to this day. So yeah, good stuff. Cool. Hey, if they wanted to send me a review copy, ah, uh, hey, I, I'd
0: review you, you it. W- you wouldn't say no.
1: I would not say no as as someone. Oh, me, you soft. what say, I would not say no to that.
0: Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I I don't seem to have my paper copy here, but I'm pretty sure this came out in March, or I received it in March. Uh, Howard. Howard Andrew Howard was Jones.
1: Oh, for Jones, the killing Jones.
0: of kings. Yeah, for the killing oh. of kings. Was that this March?
1: Yes, that so was I'm this March. I'm pretty sure
0: that was when I got it. I, I'm not finding it in my stack here. Um, is this one we both got?
1: Um, well, I had gotten an early version of this, and then like because I'm friends with the author, and then I got a real review copy of this.
0: So. So what can you tell me about it?
1: Okay. The, the the elevator pitch is the Three Musketeers meets the Chronicles of Amber. Hmm. It's 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 got it's uh, heroic heroic fantasy in a in a large scale interesting world great characters, um, good good plotting excellent action beats. I mean he describes the action really really well. It's a lot of fun, easy to very very flowing writing he's 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 written a couple of novels before none of them sadly have done that great but he i i like jones's style and it 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 flows really well off the page
0: yeah it's got a beautiful cover too that
1: there, there is a sequel coming out later this later this fall that i've already pre-ordered maybe they'll send me a review copy i say no to that <laughs> but yes i've already pre-ordered it because you know this 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 is the fun. This is fun, This is fun and rollicking stuff. I mean, I don't need I don't need deep explorations every time I read. I mean, sometimes sometimes I just I sometimes I want. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying with those those um black uh, black yeah. star renegades, right? That it is uh, there is a certain mode I get into, you know, where it's like that's what I'm I'm looking for fun, right? Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So this is my version of yeah fantasy fantasy fun. Um. The the other thing that reminds me of, although he has never read them, have you ever read Dave Duncan's King's Blades novels? Never.
0: I'm not, I'm not a huge uh, fantasy.
1: You're not say but that's the other novels that they they reminded me of. Although Jones Jones told me he never actually read those. It's the same sort of, but they're all they're all going from that same wellspring of the Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. So so it, it, it it's it's tapped into something that has been used again and again by a bunch of different authors too sometimes good and sometimes not so good effect but here how and you don't see it, it's a great effect
0: mm-hmm. so uh, I've, I've run out of things that were sent me i've got a, a couple of things that i i bought that i think people should know about um especially in the comics department um most recently i've got a big hardcover i didn't realize it wasn't going to be i thought it when i was looking at it at the comic book shop i thought it was going to because I'd been seeing it in Amazon, right, uh, that it was pre-order. I thought it was going to be floppies, but turns out it's a big hardcover. Um, it's uh, from Aftershock, which is one of those independent comic book companies. Uh-huh. Uh, Garth Ennis and Keith Burns, uh book called Out of the Blue. Now, this is, uh, this is a tradition in uh, comic books is they don't want him to write anything except for what they want him to write, which is mostly superheroes, because that's what they think sells. He wants to write that is Garth Ennis wants to write um, mostly wor- World War II stories or war stories, and he's really good at it. But um, it, it's worked pretty well. But you know they want him to write other stuff, especially superhero stuff. So there's this kind of war between what he wants to write and what what. So yep. they give him the characters like the Punisher, who you know is a soldier and he can write his Vietnam stories. And then they get they they did Nick Fury right you know Nick Fury was a soldier so you can write those here he's just working his own stuff out and it's um it's got a couple of um, mosquitoes on the cover you know the World War II Haviland mosquitoes and it's just a new series but it's strange because it it's short and I think it's the first volume of a series uh, yeah it says volume one of coming out in hardcover as an original comic oversized. That's just... I've never seen that before. Usually they start with floppies, and then they go to hardcover later, if it's a real success. I love me some Garth Ennis. He's just the funniest and most... Uh, he does so much research uh, when he does his World War II stuff. It's amazing. Um, it, the other one that came out that's really innovative of his... Uh, I don't have it handy, but... Um, uh, it's a new company called TKO. Um, I don't think it stands for anything, but. Uh, the, it's like um,
1: technical knockout? <laughs> yeah.
0: It, well, it's comics, right? So TKO comics. Um, and they, uh, they, they have a new format, which is very strange again. So they give you, uh, the first issue for free, uh, digitally. Then you can either buy the whole series digitally and they're all released at the same time or you can buy a, a trade paperback. Um, that's normal-sized, or you can buy a box with six oversized floppies. Um, and they're calling it like the binge model. So they're trying to sort of do a Netflix release of comics. So they get an yeah. artist and an author together. They say, work on something for nine months or whatever, we're going to release it all at once. And uh, because they're a new company and they they have a new distribution model, which is they don't go through Diamond Publishing... Which is the only distributor for comics. Um, it was very hard for me to get my local comic shop to get it. I I, I tried to order from Tico's website, but the shipping was going to be more than the comics, and that was just ridiculous. So eventually, I convinced my comic shop to check them out, and they ordered it in for me. And it is amazing. Uh, I think this is a possibly a new way for comics to get around the problem of you know terrible distribution is just go to publishers going directly to uh to stores it, it, it might not work completely but if you can not send a single floppy but a whole set of of things it might work um that's that's that uh i also have a giant hardcover that was very expensive from marvel marvel got uh the rights to um the name conan Not the stories, because the stories are almost all public domain. Um, back from a dark horse, and now have started a new series of comics, including, uh, Conan the Barbarian and, uh, Savage Sword of Conan, which is not a magazine now. It's, uh, floppy. And they started another one called Belit or Bellet, which is based on a character from one of the stories. And it's actually surprisingly good, which I was very surprised about. Um, isn't
1: Bellet like a, like a pirate?
0: She well is. Uh, she's queen of the Black Coast. That's the story. She, she I, thought, I
1: thought she sounded familiar.
0: Yeah, she's a, uh, she's a terrific character. They don't have the they don't have the license for Red Sonya, who is more of a licensed character than a real character from from Howard. Anyway, so that one kind of makes sense. But Bellet, uh this is sort of her adventures as a young princess. I was thinking this is going to be terrible, but actually it was okay, and the art was pretty good. And I didn't hate it, which is big surprise, because I was like, this does not bode well, given that they've got the branding uh, of Age of Conan game on the front, which doesn't need to be there. And they've got, she's a princess. Why do we have to always start as princesses? Can't we start as, you know, serving wenches who just are mad and go out and get their own and, pirate and, ship?
1: And go a reaving? yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyways, we... Uh, what I like about it is I know how she ends. So even if they sort of, um, they mess with the character, I know what kind of person she is. She's a great character because she's basically, she wants too much and it is her undoing. And, uh, so they, they put enough seeds in this first issue to make me think it's pretty good. But I'm, I'm bringing all this, uh, up just to talk about this giant hardcover I got, which is. Um, savage Sword of Conan, the Barbarian. Massive hardcover. It says collecting Savage Tales one through five, Savage Sword of Conan one through twelve, and Special Number One, uh, Volume One. It's very heavy, although the, I noticed that the pages are not full size. It's a thousand pages. That's a lot of comic. It is, and it was one hundred fifty-eight Canadian dollars. So Holy not cheap, Hannah. indeed. Um, the thing is, is the art in here is amazing. Um, I've got a lot of it, most, if not all of it. Um, and yet I still want to have another copy because it's got a new introduction, eight page introduction by Roy Thomas, the guy who was scripting all that stuff. And it's, it's kind of exciting to get, um, you know, new stuff from, uh, old, old stuff. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. We were just talking about
1: the Benton Toll. Very out the exactly.
0: Game. There, You know exactly what I mean. All right. That's the end of my paper book stack. But I do have some new releases I want to talk about. Have you got some more paper books?
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll, I can do one or two more. So why not? Yeah. Let's go back to science fiction. This is another sequels. I know because, you know, sequels happen. Is there an audio book for this? Let me find out real quick before I get to talking about it. I think there is. There there is an, going to be an audiobook for it only nine hours nine hours 15 minutes this is fleet of knives which is by Gareth Powell it's the sequel to his embers of war the former warship troubledog and her crew follow the stress call from the human starship Lucy's ghost whose crew have sought refuge upon an abandoned generation ship launched in 10,000 years before by an alien race however the enormous vessel contains deadly secrets of its own the Marvel the Marble Armada calls for a recovered war criminal, Anna Sudak, to accompany its ships as it spreads itself across the human generality, enforcing the peace with overwhelming and implacable force. Then Sudak's vessel intercepts messages from the House of Reclamation, decides the Troubledog has a capacity for violence which cannot be allowed to endure. As the Troubledog and her crew fight to save the crew of the Lucy's Ghost, the ship finds itself caught between chaotic alien monsters on one side and the other destruction at the hands of the Marble Armada. So this is the sequel to, to uh, as I said, this is a sequel to uh, *Embers of War*, which is a uh, one a BSFA award. And Gareth Powell writes a bunch of science fiction novels. He's 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 most he's most known for uh, for other stuff until *Embers of War*. that you know, he he had a he had a bunch of novels revolving around a genetic engineered monkey, which it's it's better than better than it sounds. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because he's a one-eyed, intelligent, intelligent monkey called Akak Macaque, and he's just a oh, very weird character.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So this is that author.
0: Right. And this that, is the that second sounds book.
1: Fun. Oh, the, those those are lots of fun. Embers of War is a little more serious than those, but also lots of fun. So this is the sequel to Embers of War, and it's
0: got a good uh, cover.
1: It's it's got it's got a cover of a a bunch Different of spaceships with a nice uh,
0: shape shape spaceships.
1: Yep, yeah, with the sun coming around from the planet. So, I mean, at the end of the first novel, we find out we find a whole fleet of ships. So, I'm thinking that's the, the fleet in question from the first that we find at, at the end of the first novel. Come to uh, come to uh, terrifying life, that the, the, the so-called marble armada. So, yeah. So this, I mean, this is this is space opera the way it, and it's not even that long. I mean, the audio book is 10 hours. So, it's. It's it's doable by you, doable mm-hmm. for you. So yeah. Although
0: I, I'm not I'm not likely to start with the second book in a series.
1: No, no, that never that rarely works well for me either. But embers of war, embers of war is embers of war is definitely worth the reader's time if you haven't read it. Listeners, go read it. go read or listen to embers of war, and then you I've, can go clear knives.
0: I've got um uh, uh, another short book. Uh, this is interesting because it's it's um. It's seven hours for, uh, 7.75 hours, so seven and three-quarters hours, right? Um, and it's it's called Powers of Darkness by Bram Stoker and Valdemar Amundsen. Um, what? Yeah. So what happened was in 1897, there was a novel called Dracula, right? And I may have heard of it. Right. And so the folks in Iceland, the, the as they were, they wanted to read it, too. So somebody named Valdemar Amundsen translated it into. Uh, oh, I've heard it. Icelandic. I've heard it. I heard
1: it, I heard it this o- over on uh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff about. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like translated the novel on their own. It sat unknown for exactly. a long time. Exactly.
0: And it's got an introduction, a foreword by Bram Stoker that hadn't been seen since the public original publication in 1900. And then, um, it's also got, you know, an introduction by, you know, the great grandniece or nephew of Stoker which was probably less interesting. And a new afterward, uh, floor plans. I don't know how those will work with the, with the audio Uh, but it's got a bunch of narrators to Adam Werner, Robertson, Dean, Ralph Lister, Derek Perkins, and RC Bray. Uh, Believe R.C. Bray is the guy who narrated *The Martian*. Uh, very good narrator. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of a curiosity, um, but uh, it says that the there's a lot going on in this adaptation of Dracula, like a lot more sexiness, which there was well, you know a little bit of sexiness. It says it's shorter, punchier, more erotic, and more su- perhaps more suspenseful than Stoker's Dracula. I. I don't know what to make of all that, but I I'd be curious to hear what people think. And, um, it, I love weird objects like this. This is a weird object for sure.
1: A very strange sidebar of his, of mm-hmm. history and, and fiction. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway, a different science fiction one, the record keeper by Agnes go for readers of Nettie, Okorafor, Margaret Atwood, and Atwood, Octavia Butler. After World War III, Earth is in ruins and the final armies have come to a reluctant truce. Everyone must obey the law in every way or risk shattering the fragile peace and endangering the entire human race. Although Arika Cobain is a member of the race whose backbreaking labor provides food for the remnants of humanity, she is destined to become a member of the Congo elite. After 10 grueling years of training, she is on the threshold of taking her place of privilege far from the field everything changes when a new student arrives Hosea Khan spews dangerous words of treason what does peace matter if innocent lives are lost to maintain it as Erica is exposed to new beliefs she realizes that the laws she has dedicated herself to uphold are the root of her people's misery if Erica is to liberate her people she must unearth her fierce heart and discover the true meaning of freedom finding the courage to live or die without fear from Titan Books is there an audio I don't know let's find out it's a British book, so maybe the may Okay, so there is going to be an audio book of the Record Keeper, thirteen hours, fifteen minutes coming out in June. Um uh, Oh and you you know who's narrating it? You're gonna laugh. Adrian who who you're talking about. She's so doing it's like it. he or she that, is doing everything. Yeah, apparently it is her day. Yeah, or their day very productive. Uh,
0: Maybe it's a yeah, house name.
1: <laughs> that's possible, can't tell.
0: I don't know if that's you, you know what might happen soon is uh, in comics after a while they have the there's the penciler, the inker, the writer, right? And then there's the colorist and the uh, and the letterer, right? All these jobs. Um, a while ago, I probably 20 years ago, they started doing like um, coloring and lettering by companies and they didn't say who was doing it. It seems to have stopped doing it, but, um, you know, they would farm that out, I guess. Eventually, we're going to be in the, tech- uh, the techno space where you can get, uh, house names to narrate, right? Because they'll just be able to put all somebody's voice together and modulate it, and, like, they can do those, uh, face swaps. <laughs> You just do an audio swap. Yep. So you get somebody narrating it and they just replace all the words and the cadence with the cadence of the actor in question. So that might be the case that we get uh, the voice of Christopher Lee narrating a book from twenty
1: twenty nine. That would be a little creepy.
0: It, it will be a little creepy, but it might be a creepy cool. Anyways. Um, There is a very strange uh, audiobook release here that I think is very appropriate for us. Uh, It's called Chatting Science Fiction, Selected Interviews from Hour of the Wolf. This is a, maybe you know about it, a New York-based radio station. uh, WPAI, I I believe, yeah. That sounds right. Um, And uh, it includes basically it's it's 15 and a quarter hours. So it's a it's a long book. It was actually released a couple of years ago, but I I've never seen it before. Um, it says this collection of interviews and chats is culled from some of the more recent episodes of the world's longest radio program, hour uh, on speculative fiction, hour uh, of the Wolf, produced and hosted by Jim since 1974. Many of these recordings were made at conventions, the Nebula Awards, some of the audience, and some in studios. Collectively, these interviews make up a road tour of some of today's greatest voices in speculative fiction. Speculative fiction. list of interviews in order of appearance is Ursula Le Guin, Kim Stanley Robinson, Samuel R. Delaney, Corey Doctorow, Ray Bradbury, Nalo Hop- Hopkinson, Peter S. Beagle, China Mayville, Orson Scott Card, Lucius Shepard, Nancy Kress, Ken Liu, Charlie Jane Anders, Genevieve Genevieve Jean- Valentine, Susanna Clark, and Connie Genevieve Valentine. Yeah, Genevieve. There we go. Yeah, I I was tripping over my French. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I I've listened to this show online. Um. It was not super easy to listen to because you have to get the time zones right and um that sort of thing. But it is a good show. Um. It, so, was,
1: it was more easy for me to listen to it when I lived in New York. Yeah. yeah,
0: that'd be the I mean, that's the great thing about living in a big city. You can have access to actual broadcast if such existed, right? Um, exactly. And that's the place for it. New York is very much a uh, uh, it's it's good for science fiction, I think. There's a lot of stuff going on there. So that it's a curiosity not super new, but um, I, I would think that that's well-worthy of listening to. Um, I also have a series of 49 results, although not that many. I, I went just looked looking through the catalog, and it looks like they're going through every Larry Niven book and releasing it as an audiobook. Really? So, yeah. So I've got um, some new titles with covers. Um, and or new releases with covers and then i've got some with no covers yet but uh, coming cover to be revealed so the first one gift from earth which i'm pretty sure was an audiobook years ago but this is coming in june it's um no got no narrator attached to it but they've obviously made a deal and they're going through his stuff so we've got gift from earth world of patavs of patavs
1: yeah world um, of patavs uh, we haven't done that one.
0: No, have we no, we haven't done that no, one. No,
1: that 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 that'd be one I'd be willing to
0: do. I love I love me some Larry Niven. So, um, again, he he doesn't do that many or didn't do that many series, but um, he definitely set things in the same universe, right?
1: I've 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 gone onto Audible. And I see a bunch of stuff with new covers run all narrated by Bronson Pinchot. A lot mm. of short stuff too.
0: I've got, uh, this one's pretty interesting. It's uh, The Moon Maze Game. Uh, It's by Larry Niven and Steve Barnes, read by Grover Gardner. It's uh, the fourth It's a new
1: Dream Park novel. Wow, I didn't know know there was such a thing. I do not know
0: either, but it came out last year, and uh, Grover Gardner is a great narrator.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, So there's that. There's uh, the California Voodoo game, which is, I believe, is that the third book in that series? That's that's the third one. That one I've read. Mm Mm-hmm. The Barsoom Project is that book two?
1: That's that's book that's book two. That's the one, yeah, where they mm-hmm. have the uh, yeah the ver- These yeah are they gonna the, uh, Gardner
0: and Dream Park by the, by the Arctic and be, the original, cover. yeah,
1: with a new cover. Mm-hmm. I, I I liked I liked back in the day Dream Park and the Barsoom Project. I wasn't so thrilled with the California Beauty Game because they changed the whole technology. Mm. They they rekoned all the technology of of the park, and I found that like no. Dudes, that you just changed.
0: Well, ret- maybe with the Moon Maze game, they're going to uh, fix it up but even back- further with VR and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, it's maybe. Who but knows? Yeah, but the,
1: the first But the first, the first two uh, Dream Park novels, I liked a lot. And if we ever want, if you ever want to do them, Jesse, mm-hmm. I'm there. I, I'm I there think for I might you. have done the
0: first Dream Park book as a as a podcast. I'm not. I I remember doing, reading it. I don't remember. <laughs> whether we recorded, I'm sure we recorded it. It's probably in there. Um, I also want to point out that there's a collection of short stories read by Bronson Pinchot. That's probably what you were seeing. Um, called Madness from the Inconstant Moon. That's uh, a collection of short words. And then uh, each of those stories is also available individually, it looks like. So yeah, I think that's the, what I was saying. The yeah. in Hell, What Can You Say About Chocolate-Covered Manhole Covers, the classic story in *Constant Moon*, which is also a great episode of, uh, believe it's *The Outer Limits*, or maybe it's uh, *It's one of the Twilight shows, Zone. yeah*.
1: But, but that is a classic. That is a that is a classic. Great story, story and great
0: great um, adaptation. Uh, so there's a bunch of those, and then there's uh, another Steve Barnes, Larry Nevin collaboration, read by James Patrick Cronin called the seascape tattoo. Are you familiar with this one? It no, came out in I am 2016. Not,
1: I am not familiar with this one. Okay. He said having to look at
0: Let um, me read this to you. Go, the latest go spellbound, the spellbinding adventure in Larry Nevin's acclaimed collaborations with Steve Barnes, Eros of Azteca and Neoloth and are the deadliest of enemies, swordsmen and sorcerer locked in mortal combat who have tried to kill each other more times than either can count. But when the princess Neoloth loves when the princess Neoloth loves is kidnapped, there's only one plan that offers any hope of rescue, and that requires passing off the barbarian Eros as a lost princeling and in infiltrating the deadliest cabal of necromancers the world has ever seen they cannot trust each other they will betray or kill each other for the first chance they get but they're all each other has so i'm almost sold on it and here's why when larry nevin does fantasy he does it his way which is he said he knows all the tropes of the fantasy books and then he does it his own way right Yep,
1: listeners, we did an episode on the magic goes away, so you should listen to that episode if you want to hear more about Larry Niven doing fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I'm almost on, so I'm putting it in my wish list on Audible right now. You know, it's just
0: like eleven, eleven point two hours or whatever. So
1: not not long. And yes, you don't have to twist my arm hard if you said let's do a show on it. Yeah, I'm I'm, twist my heart too hard to make that happen.
0: I I I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to. I complaining know. complaining about you it the whole have... time, but if it is a good book, I want to read it. Um, All the I Myriad know. Ways, also by Bronson Pinchot, is out. That's another Larry Niven. Um, and let's see what else. Uh, Protector, they had. That's not new. Um, this is, though, The Secret of Black Ship Island by Larry Niven, Jerry Purnell, and Steve Barnes. What? It's got it pretty new.
1: I don't, I'm not... I'm not familiar with that. Uh,
0: 2012? I guess not. It's the Herat series. Okay, that's why.
1: Oh, oh, oh it's a Herat novel.
0: The Beowulf's okay. Children oh, series.
1: It's, oh, yeah. I
0: uh. uh Beowulf's Children wait, is wait,
1: also wait, available. Wait a, minute. I th- I, wait a minute. I thought there was a sequel to
0: that already. There called is. the, children the Legacy Herat. of Herat. Uh, and then the Beowulf Children of Herat. Children, and, so what's uh, this? Like, this is book, book three? three? yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Um, the first one was fine. I didn't like the second one.
0: What about the, so, the, this? Um, uh, these, these books, the Burning Tower and the Burning City. Those oh, are Jerry um, and
1: the 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 Burning City pissed. Pardon my language. This is pissed me the beep off. <laughs> I I did not like it at all. Okay. And, uh, okay. Uh, in other words, um, Jerry Pornell overwhelmed that book. I mean, oh. there's some of the, the Larry Niven fantasy stuff, but you have Jerry Pornell's politics kind of overwhelmed it and it's it, it just like decided to drive home a rather blunt and pointed mm. right-wing political message that I really, really got turned off. Like I was so excited. Like, Oh wow, this will be great. This is set in the world. Cause it's set, basically set in the, in the world of the warlock, except in Southern California. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I nearly threw that book against the wall. Yeah.
0: There's uh, another yeah. older, oh, I, I don't know why I'm just seeing them now, but m- maybe this is, senility setting in and I've seen this and talked about it a thousand times Building Harlequin's Moon by Tom Weiner, uh, read by Tom Weiner that's Larry Niven and Brenda Cooper this is one again I've not read
1: I haven't read it, I've read Brenda Cooper's subsequent solo novels which are really good Uh I've heard about this book but I haven't read this book but yeah, Brenda Cooper is a very solid science fiction writer I like her work
0: let me read the uh, summary here see if uh, it sparks delight Uh, the first interstellar ship john glenn fled a solar system populated by rogue ais and machine human hybrids threatened by too much te- nanotechnology and rife with political dangers the john glenn's crew intended to terraform the new pristine planet ymir in hopes of creating a utopian society that will limit intelligent technology But by by some miscalculation, they have landed in the wrong system. Short on the antimatter needed to continue to Ymir, they must shape nearby planet Harlequin's moon, Selene, into a new temporary home and rebuild their their store of antimatter through decades of terraforming. Gabriel, the head terraformer, now leads this, this nearly impossible task. His primary tools... The uneducated and nearly illiterate children of the original colonists, born and bred to build Harlequin's Moon into virtual into a virtual antimatter factory, with no concept of the future and with life defined as a duty, one girl, Rachel Van Owen, begins to ask herself what will become of the children of Celine once the terraforming is complete. So- Interesting. Sounds good. I'm I'm definitely up for. Somebody telling me it's a great book, Jesse. You're gonna love it. Do a show on it.
1: I I have not yet read it myself, so I don't know. I know they wrote they wrote a story where uh, where uh, basically they colonists land on the planet, and then everyone starts regressing into uh, earlier forms. I think that was their first collaboration together. I can't remember the name of the story offhand. And and I thought, oh, well, Brenda Cooper has. a good writing with Larry Niven. Like, she should be somebody to watch out for. And, mm-hmm. yeah, years later, it's like, yeah.
0: Well, so I I haven't read everything by Niven. I've read a lot. Um, and I'm I'm less, you know, the more it goes into a series, the less I like it. I read, like, you know, jug- uh, Fleet of Worlds, and then I'm like, I'm not sure if I should read Juggler of Worlds. I don't think I did. Destroyer of Worlds, that's probably the fourth one. You know, it's sort of Mm It's set in the Ringworld universe. Uh, But one that I have read that's on here and um, has been re-released since it was originally released probably in the late 80s or early 90s um, is the Integral Trees or the Integral Trees. I I always say Integral, but it's probably Integral Trees. Uh, Integral
1: integral Trees, that's an integration,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's shaped like an integer or something. Whatever, I don't know. Anyways... um, the, there's that book, and then there's the sequel to Smoke Ring, and I can't remember if I've read the Smoke Ring, but I remember the plot. Well, um,
1: Integral Trees is the first, Smoke Ring is the
0: second. Yeah, I I, no, but I, 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 I definitely read the Integral Trees, or however it's pronounced, um, and I thought it was, it wasn't as good as you know, a lot of his stuff, but it has some great world stuff, and some very interesting physics problems that the characters have to deal with, um, and the way he builds up the, you know, that's the whole thing. Is Ringworld is not really a great plot. It's just an adventure to explore what ideas Larry Niven's has spun up, right? And that's the same with Integral Trees. Is my feeling was that, wow, look what he made, right? And now let's go spend some time there. And uh, so I don't know if Smoke Rings worth re- revisiting, but um, the Integral Trees probably is. So we'll, yeah. we should definitely do some Larry Niven in the future, and maybe somebody will leave a comment that says, you definitely need to do this one, and here's why. Contact, contact us, listeners. Contact yes. us. Leave a, leave a comment saying which Larry Niven book that you've read recently that that is uh, definitely in need of some service, and I will consider it. Bearing in mind that I'm not a big sequel guy.
1: Yeah, I I, I, I know that about you. There's... Um, I thought there was a, I thought there was a book between, with uh that Larry Naven had done with Gregory Benford.
0: Not but on might be, the Downpour so far. But no, there is lots of new I, stuff but, coming, right?
1: But I, th- I thought they had teamed up together to do a, a book and, yeah, I don't think it's actually on I I don't think it's on
0: actually an audible. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's um, what's it called? It's called um bowl of heaven i don't think there actually is an audio version Mm, of
0: it well not yet maybe there will be i i've got another weird collection here um this is coming out next month Uh, oh it's already out sorry it's it came out um uh last month um but very interesting so this is probably if you're one of those people who has an audible account this is probably the one to get there um unless you have a downpour account which you should get it there (laughs) in any case Um, It's called The Very Best of the Best, 35 Years of the Year's Best Science Fiction, edited by Gardner Uh Douzois. It's 39.13 hours, so it's a big, big collection. Um, It does not have a listing of all the stories in it, which is ridiculous. It should. Um, But... That is a good collection. It's not it's not my favorite go-to collection for science fiction because it's mostly really much more new. But 35 years is a lot of years, and there are a number of good stories. So I'm guessing that this is going to be a good one to look into. Um, it has a nice cover, and n- names mentioned include Charles Strauss, Michael Swanwick, Nancy Kress, Greg Egan, Stephen Baxter, Pat Cadigan, and many, many more.
1: Many, many more. I mean, I could list... I, 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 I could uh, give you the list of stories, but that might take a while to read It those.
0: would take a while. Um, but, again, it, it's not... I'm not obsessed with the modern era, but there are some good people in there. Some good writers in there. And uh, some of them wrote some really good stories. And if, if, they, if they, they've been anthologized in the best of the best, and then, from that best of the best over 35 years, condensed... To the best of the best of the best, that's probably some good listening.
1: I would imagine yes.
0: I've got, uh, I think, three more. So, All right. oh, you, want, one, you want to hear one. the one I'm most excited about but no one will care about? You want to hear the one I'm pretty excited about and a lot of people care about? Or do you want to hear the one uh, that Jesse's really uh, interested in but probably thinks nobody cares about?
1: <laughs> let's go three, let's go three, two,
0: one. Okay, so I'm gonna start with exhalation. Stories by Ted Chiang Hey, yes. A new collection of Ted Chiang audio. This is a very, very good thing. It's, oh yeah, he's got one collection out so far. This is actually released by Random House Audio. It's available on Downpour. and I want to read you what it says because it says some very cool things. So, uh, from the acclaimed author of Stories of Your Life and Others, that's the uh, collection that um, is out already. I think Tantor did that one. Um, and uh, basis for the film Arrival, uh, we get tales that tackle some of humanity's oldest questions along new qua- quandaries, and along with new quandaries only Ted Chiang could imagine. Finally, some copy that lives up to the hype. Finally! Um, Finally, notice it doesn't say Ted Chiang, a novel. (laughs) This is the legit (laughs) stuff, right? Because he never does novels. Here it comes. In The Merchant and the Alchemist's Gate, a portal through time forces a fabric seller in ancient Baghdad to grapple with past mistakes and second chances. I read that story uh, as an audiobook in Tony Smith's Starship Sofa many years ago. It is an amazing story.
1: I read it it many years ago myself. It is is a very good story.
0: I believe there was a nice um, paper book release as well with illustrations, but I'm just going by memory on that. I never actually saw it uh, in real life. I think uh, it was just described to me. Um, In addition, uh, we get the title, In Exhalation, an alien scientist makes a shocking discovery with ramifications that are literally universal. Again, an amazing story I believe I heard on audio. But then listen to this. In Anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. Where did this story come from? <laughs> new story. The ability to do glimpse into alternate universes necessitates a radically new examination of the concept of choice and free will. Sounds like standard Ted Chiang awesomeness.
1: Yeah, I'm not familiar with that story at so
0: all. Like- that That's the entire list. I don't know if that means there's more uh, on there. That's just the description. The final paragraph says this. Uh, including stories being published for the first time, as well as some of his rare and classic uncollected work, exhalation is Ted Chang at his best—profound, sympathetic, revelatory.
1: Yeah, so, it's, it's got to be more than those three stories. I don't it's know.
0: Say pages, unless these are real big stories. Well, Merchant of the Alchemist Gate is not tiny.
1: No, that's like more like a novella. So maybe it's. A but thing. I don't even it, have
0: it's. Yeah, I don't even have a running time on this, and there's no narrator. But it is coming, and. January, February, March, April, um, May, May seventh, um, yeah, is going to be a good day.
1: It's going to be a good day. Um, who's putting this up? Random House. Yeah. Random House sends me out a review copy of this. I will read and review it Ooh, for sure.
0: That that I love. I love <laughs> me some Ted Chang. It's like every every three or four years he writes a story, <laughs> 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 and then go. <laughs> <he's>, oh, finally. <laughs> I,
1: He's like the anti-Ken Liu. Um, on SF Signal, we'd always joke about Ken Liu pouring out story after story in rapid succession Good stories. I mean, not Ted Chiang level, but good stuff. And like sort of running joke out on the SF Signal podcast. And Ted Chiang is... And, and uh, Ken Liu has just written another story. Mm-hmm. So so he's kind of like the anti-Ted Chiang who, who writes with this slow patience yeah. to it. But I think, he, I think he's got a long and 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 deeply immersive day job, which also... Which also also explains why his output is so low, but his like nomination and reward rate is so bloody high, it's uncanny. And, and
0: finally, finally justified. I, I I don't read almost everything right that's out there because just, just too much, and I'm a slow reader. Um, and I wait for the audio, but I don't think I have read a Ted Chang story that was bad at all. Like I don't think I've ever read a bad one. I've read ones that are less good, um, and I've read ones that are astounding but those less good ones are still in a class higher than most everything else the of the modern era that i read because it's real science fiction that's what he's doing it's genuine not you know set in a science fiction universe or a universe where people know what science fiction stuff is it's not like you know Proto technology of nano realms or whatever, <laughs> 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 shit, <laughs> shit, People are stringing together in techno babble that is useless. This is he's got a, some philosophical idea that he wants to explore, and he uses the scientific method, sort of as his system for figuring out how to explore it, and and then usually he throws in some emotional stuff that helps sell the story to uh, people who are not Mister Spock, right. So I'm good with a new Ted Chiang audiobook coming out. Now, I've got... Uh, two more. Two more. I've actually got three more, but... Uh, oh, three let ones. me ta- ask you about this one. Have you heard about this? It came out last year as an audiobook. Red Moon by Kim Stanley Robinson. I have. So it's but I pretty am, long. It's 17 hours, as usual, for Stanley Robinson.
1: I am, unfortunately, here I am, uh, confessing to the listeners, I am in a I'm not reading Kim Stanley Robinson for a while sort of mood. ever since Ever since the last Kim Stanley Robinson. Did he
0: book, piss you off with the one where he said space is uh, uh, inaccessible, or well, no, is it, uh, interstellar um, voyages are are yeah, impossible? and
1: and, and, ham- and hammers the yes, it's that one, and he yes, and he hammers the the point with yeah, with with the force of a malice like. I get it already. It's a hard I get truth.
0: it. You don't want to. You don't want to be brought low. Uh,
1: uh, I mean, uh, 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 and, uh, and other aspects of Aurora, which is a novel, we're talking about. Listeners, just yeah, I haven't it's read like, it,
0: but I heard about it, and it.
1: It's it just like even above the theme, it's like some of the writing is like, well, that doesn't connect with that, and what is that, and you're ending it like that, so it's like it's it's just like. Oh man, I've read lots of your stuff. I've loved lots of your stuff. I've got to talk. I've got to podcast with the guy who gushed about mm. his stuff. But yeah, this this, but Aurora just pushed me way off of Kim Stanley Robinson. I have not found my way back.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm not going to read all the, uh, the copy for it. But I just like the idea behind it. It's not Red Moon as in the Soviets have gone to the moon. Alternate history. It's Red Moon as in the Chinese are going to the moon, right? Mm-hmm. Which is far more plausible to me than uh, pretty much any other kind of science fiction that's set in the near future um, could possibly be. And I, I know the capability that Kim Stanley Robinson has. He, we've done a couple of podcasts on, well, maybe just one on one of his books. That's just amazing, and he's a, he's a really really good writer. Um, so if if I could get over the fact that it's 17 hours long, I might be inclined to look at this. Especially if somebody told me um, I should definitely do it. Jesse, you're gonna love it. That's I try and get people to listen to the books before I have to tell me. Don't bother, <laughs> Jesse. It's, right, and then because I'm so slow. All right, so that uh, that's that's I think uh, probably a lot of people knew about this book and they are excited about it. Here's the one I'm excited about. All. Yes. Um. I don't know. I don't know if I want to listen to the whole thing, but I definitely want to listen to bits of it for sure. It's called "In the Land of Time and Other Fantasy Tales" by Lord Dunsany. Or Dunsany. Oh. Uh, this is edited by S. T. Joshi, who is normally thought of as the Lovecraft guy, right? It's read by yep, Stephen like, Crossley. He's... Um. It's coming yeah, out. Uh. It, sorry. It came out. Uh. Five days ago. Um, it's 17 hours long, but those are short stories and incredibly short stories. Dunsany um, has stories that are, you know, a page long, paragraph long, three pages long, 10 pages long, 15 pages long, right? So this is not massive, massive stuff. And some of the stories mentioned in here um, are ones I've already read. So it says uh, this includes the entire Gods of Pagana, which is a paper book that he. Put together, which is a very interesting book. It's a basically each story is about a god of this mystical land that doesn't exist, right? Um, a secondary world, I guess. Uh, Idle days on the Yan, which is a terrific story. I, if you haven't read that, Paul, it's it's like um, love. I, I, I've
1: read I've read his gods of pagana stuff. but I have not read Idle Days of the Yan.
0: It's it's medium length uh, short story, and it's it's very much. Uh, I don't know that it inspired the Dreamlands, but it's so close that when Lovecraft read it, he was saying, oh, my God, I'm a Dunsany copier. Um, (laughs) And uh, there's a story called The Fortress Vanquishable Save for Sacknoth. And uh, there's another one from his Jorkins stories. Those are ones that sort of inspired um, a subset of uh, stories that Larry Niven has written, Arthur C. Clarke. And um. Um, Asimov, there's the stories of the Black Widowers, right? There's yep. the uh, Tales of the White Heart. And uh, Niven has um, uh, one sp- set on a space station or something. Uh, taverns. Uh, anyways. Oh, a- yeah, yeah, Draco Cavern. Draco Cavern. Tavern, right? that's right. Yep. Uh, sort of ridiculous, funny, science fictiony fiction stories. This is... Um, uh, from a series called the Jorkins stories, so they're um, I believe they're like pub tales, um, and the one that's listed here is called Two Bottles of Relish, which is uh, one I believe I read a long time ago. And Dunsany is beautiful to hear, like his his writing is just it's it's uh, almost like Clark Ashton Smith, but less ornate, more smooth. And
1: yeah, that's a good way of putting
0: it. And he has um, a kind of uh, sub. Uh, Subconscious Underneath what's going on So they're funny Genuinely funny And genuinely um, Almost tragic Bittersweet tragic But also fun
1: Yeah there's definitely that bittersweet nature To a Mm -hmm. lot of Dunsany's
0: I really like his stuff So I'm I'm excited that there's some new Dunsany on audio Because that's something that's been restricted Basically to LibriVox And uh you know, podcasters and people who like Dunsany. It, it, I don't think it has had a major release uh, in audio before. Uh-huh. All right. I have one left.
1: One left. Okay, what are we going out with? Uh,
0: maybe I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I'm excited to read this. This is one of these books where I heard about it for many, many years, and, and I eventually did get a paper book copy, but for whatever reason, I never read it. And so, I don't know if I still have it, the paper book copy, but it's Algis Budras' Who? So, this is uh, Who with a question mark at the end. And I remember the cover, it's basically the Man in the Iron Mask, right? Algis Budras is not a famous science fiction writer from from the old days. He's sort of a middle rank science fiction writer. You know, they're yeah, that's fair. He's below, he's below Philip K. Dick and Arthur C. Clarke, who'd be, you know, Clark is at the top, maybe. Asimov, Heinlein, those guys are at the top. And then there's people who mostly wrote short stories. Aldous just never, I don't think, ever made the A-team. He definitely never made the A-team. And... If he if he was in the B team, he was in the low end of the B team. but
1: Yeah, he'd be batting 7th or 8th in your baseball lineup.
0: At least, right? And the thing is, um, this is his biggest home run, as far as my understanding. This was his biggest home run. And I like his writing. So when I find out there's a new audiobook, it's six hours long. Ha, ha, ha. Perfect <laughs> Jesse length, right? Um Read by Grover Gardner has a cool cover. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm, read, I'm reading the publisher's summary. I have to read the publisher's summary please for our so. listeners. Set against the backdrop of Cold War paranoia, this futuristic novel about identity and technology is one of the run, unrecognized classics of SF, Locus. Mm-hmm. East and West have fused into separate superstates known as the Allied National Government, ANG, and the Soviet International Bloc, SIB. As a told war rages, brilliant scientist Luce Martino works on a top secret project, owned only as K 88, that could alter the balance of world power. The project goes. Horribly awry at an Allied research facility near the Soviet border, and Martino is abducted. After several months of tense negotiations, he returns severely injured from the lab explosion, and under pressure from America, he undergoes extensive reconstructive surgery. He has a mechanical arm. His polished metal skull, a kind of craniofacial prosthesis, contains few discernible features. Several of his internal organs are artificial. While his fingerprints are identified as belonging to and Ludus Martino, they could be the result of transplant. Is he the real Martino? Or a technologically altered impostor sent by America's enemies for the purpose of spying and infiltration? Tasked with uncovering the truth, ANG Security Chief Sean Rogers makes some shocking discoveries. Narrated in chapters alternating between Rogers and Martino, who proposes existential questions about the human condition.
0: So I like the idea that it's, it's, it's set in this ridiculous Cold War that, you know, w- was a real thing, and now they're trying to gin up into another real thing. When uh, we, we now have the knowledge that, you know, a lot of what was going on was propaganda, right? They, they didn't have way more nuclear missiles than the United States. In fact, they had way fewer um, and, you know, there there were real substantial things going on, but it was mostly fake. And so this is like a throwback to that period and a speculation into what the future will hold. So it has that sense of being both irrelevant and completely relevant again. And I, I, I like the idea that he wrote a novel that was batting above his, you know, it's the kind of book where uh, there, there's another one like this, actually. That I'm still waiting for audio that I was very excited about. I, I'm, I'm even more excited about that one if it ever comes out, and that's Rogue Moon. Have you heard of that one?
1: I've I've read Rogue
0: Moon. Yes. Okay. There it, there is an audio out of it. What did you think of Rogue Moon? So this really, is like set on a uh, on the moon and it's like a evil game show or something, right? Um. Let it's
1: me read top the summary. Secret- Top project matter transmitters, all sorts of weird stuff. I remember I read it back in the 80s. All sort, I mean, Let there's me read death traps, here. all sorts of stuff.
0: A monstrous apparatus has been found on the surface of the moon. It devours and destroys in ways so incomprehensible to humans that a new language must be invented to describe it, and a new kind of thinking to understand it. So far, the human guinea pigs sent there in hopes of unraveling the murderous maze have all died terrible deaths, except the last now on Suicide Watch. The ideal candidate won't go insane, even as he feels the ex- end approaching. And now they think they've found their man. Al Barker has already started, uh, sorry, stared into the face of death. He can handle it again. But Barker won't merely have to endure the trauma of dying. He will have to endure it over and over again, mentally linked to an ongoing series of duplicates of himself created and sent to the moon by matter transmission. That's right. Until the artifact reveals its secret, with a la- with a cast of fascinating characters taking center stage, Rogue Moon is a rare thriller that doesn't just make you sweat; it makes you think. So now that I'm reading that, it makes me think that it's it was adapted into the film Moon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's
0: a different thing. Uh, Sorry. Of. But yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since I read it. I remember I remembered Matter Transmitter and Death Traps, but yeah.
0: And there's it's been some a long time reviews to- on this, which is very unusual to see reviews on uh, Downpour. Um, and uh, they're very positive. So, hmm. I'm liking this idea of Rogue Moon, Paul. Mm. Hmm. This has been the SFF Audio podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.
1: Tantor Audio presents the Wounded Kingdom, Book Two, in a long series that will continue forever. No, it was only a three-book series. I I, I okay. read the first in paperback in a uh, in ebook, the second in in audio in the third in in uh, paper.